Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. Today will be a fun show, and we have a lot of tips to share. We're talking about how to hide your sewing room clutter, what's on our art director's workspace, answer to a listener-submitted question, and some products we're loving right now. But to start, we're sharing sewing hacks. We know quilters love learning new tricks to make the quilting process easier, more efficient, or even more fun. You may see another quilter friend do a part of the process a little differently than you and think their way is brilliant. You may learn from a seasoned teacher or quilt designer about an easier technique, or you may try something different yourself after struggling through a part of the process and come up with your own sewing hack. So we asked our staff members to share their favorite sewing hack, and we just can't wait to hear what they have to say. So let's listen in. I'm Jody, editor of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine. I buy a lot of fabric, notions, and books. Sometimes I even buy two of something. As I come across tools, fabric, or patterns that I no longer know that I'm going to use, instead of just setting them aside and adding to the clutter, I have a donation box in my sewing room. And that's where I put all those extra items. When I need a door prize for a guild meeting or I see a request from a school for needed sewing supplies, I can go to my box and find something right away that I can be donated. That's my sewing hack for today. Hey, this is Allison, the designer of Quilts and More magazine. My sewing hack is one that I think everyone could use and it's so easy to implement. As I'm starting a new project and gathering up fabrics, I cut small swatches from each piece that I'm going to use. These swatches are usually just snipped from a corner of the yardage, no bigger than two inches square. Using a safety pin, I hold all the swatches together. I then immediately throw the swatch bundle either into my purse or my car. So many times I've made unplanned trips to quilt stores and once I get there I think, oh I need one more fabric for that quilt or I should pick out some binding or backing fabric to go with that project. But I can't quite visualize the exact colors of my project. This is where the swatch bundle comes in handy. Even if I have a photo on my phone of the fabrics that I could reference, It's just not the same as having the actual fabrics in front of me. By keeping them in my purse or car, I don't have to remember to grab them on my way out the door. I always have them on me. I'm sure if you were to look in my purse right now, you'd find swatches from old projects that I just haven't gotten around to cleaning out yet. This is Doris, editor of Quilt Sampler magazine. I do a lot of hand embroidery and hand piecing, especially while traveling. As my eyes started to change with age, I became really frustrated with threading the needle, especially while sitting in a moving car or on an airplane. My favorite hack for this is to spray the tip of your thread with hairspray to stiffen it up. This helps the thread to slide right through the needle eye and you don't get any fraying on the end. Spray starch would likely work, but using hairspray, I can buy a little travel size can to carry with me in my sewing kit. TSA allows it and it works just great. Hi, I'm Beth and I'm the Promotions Manager at American Patchwork and Quilting. And I have been sewing a lot of home decor items lately. 
One of my favorite tricks for sewing cloth napkins and curtains that need a double fold hem is to make a seam guide from a manila folder. I have a ton of these lying around from the days when I kept more paper files. I rip the folder in half at the seam and then cut a nice straight line across one long edge. Then measure and mark a line for the hem I need, a half inch or an inch or whatever it is, all the way across the folder. And then I can fold my fabric to the line and press right onto it. You can mark several lines on each folder to be used for different projects. It makes pressing the hem, which is my least favorite part, so much quicker because you can do the entire length of the folder at once. After using it a lot, the folder does get a little bit warped from steam, but I just recycle it and make a new one. It's fast and free to make and makes my sewing easier. A win-win-win. Hi, I'm Joanna and I'm the editor of Quilts and More magazine. My best sewing hack is to use cardboard toilet paper rolls to store my prepped binding strips. Now I'm someone who starts a lot of quilts and takes a long time to finish them, so I do tend to make my binding in advance. Using these toilet paper rolls to store my prepped strips is really helpful because it keeps me from using fabric I intended to use on binding for a different project. It keeps those strips from tangling and it also helps me keep track of my projects. And the way it helps me do that is I'll take a Sharpie and write any project information I think I will need for that binding on to the rolls themselves. So for example, I will write down the name of the fabric collection, the name of the project I plan to use the binding for, and any other information that I think will be helpful. Often when I prep my binding, I can no longer see on the selvages what collection the fabric was from. So if I need to go buy any extra strips for any reason, it's very hard to track it down. So this way, all I have to do is reference my notes, which conveniently are stored with the tangle-free prepared binding strips. So it's been really helpful for me in keeping track of all my projects and making sure that when I finally get to that binding stage, everything is ready to go. I've also used these cardboard toilet paper rolls to store embroidery floss on occasion. So I will pick out colors that will go for a particular project. Um, again, I can take notes directly on that cardboard roll and then I just wind the floss around the cardboard roll and I have my entire palette ready to go and I can drop it into my bag and take it with me wherever I go, which is one of my favorite things about embroidery projects is that they're perfect for on-the-go sewing. So yeah, my favorite hacks involve the humble cardboard toilet paper roll that, you know, we have so many of and often just end up, you know, throwing out or recycling. So I love to get some extra use out of those everyday little things. Hi, I'm Elizabeth, the art director for American Patchwork and Quilting. My sewing hack is the add a quarter specialty ruler for foundation paper piecing. Now I am a sucker for all things foundation paper piecing. I just can't seem to stop gravitating towards these types of patterns because of their crisp angles and the precision you can achieve with this technique. However, I don't always love the process and I tend to make some really simple mistakes when I'm trimming each section. The add a quarter ruler has made the process of trimming the paper 
and fabrics almost foolproof. The ridge on the ruler locks into place against your fabric and paper folds, and it just provides a sturdy edge to trim against with no measuring involved. My only regret was not buying this ruler earlier. Hey, it's Lindsay back to share my sewing hack. My hack has to do with chain piecing. Now, I've always chain pieced when I'm sewing multiples of something, but recently, after needing to sew hundreds of star blocks and nine patch blocks for a project, I started getting a little more creative with my chain piecing so that I had less cutting of threads to slow me down between my sewing station and my pressing station. Now, I'm not the first person to do this. I've seen many quilters chain piece entire quilts even without cutting thread, but I've never tried it until recently. And for some reason, the process just seemed very overwhelming after watching these tutorials. Um, and I was scared to try it on my own project because it really needs some extra planning while you're sewing and pressing. And the thing I love about chain piecing it's that it's kind of a brainless activity. The point is kind of you can just sew a bunch of things without putting too much thought into it. But I found with just like a little planning ahead on how the blocks are meant to come together and a little more thought when I take my pieces to the ironing board, it just really quickens the entire process of making all of these blocks. So let me explain it a little. You can chain piece small units, blocks, or even whole quilts without cutting your thread if your unit block or quilt is put together in rows. So for instance, let's, let's use a nine patch block as an example. You can chain piece the first two units in each block. Then you'll take your whole chain over to your ironing board and press it in the direction as needed while the pieces are all still connected on this chain. Then you bring the entire chain back to your sewing machine and then you chain piece that third square in each row. So you're adding squares to the already chain pieced units. And then you take it back to your ironing board and press without cutting any threads. And you can do this when sewing rows of blocks together too, or even blocks of a quilt together. It's kind of hard to explain over a podcast, but try it on a project you have. I promise once you get the hang of it and your brain kind of wraps around it, you will never go back. And in some cases, when you do this, you eventually have to cut threads to separate units um, or sections before you can chain piece the next batch of things together. But you save so much cutting time and thread by doing it this way. And my favorite part of um, this is seeing these long chains of blocks start to come together. It's just so satisfying to kind of carry around your sewing space or even it makes storing it really easy so you can work on it again. So we hope you've enjoyed all of these sewing hacks our staff has shared and we're always on the lookout. So if you have a great sewing hack that you want to share with us, just send me an email at apqtips at meredith.com and we may want to feature it on an upcoming show or even in the magazine. So we're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we are sharing ideas for hiding the mess in your sewing space. Welcome back. 
I'm here with Elizabeth, the art director of American Patchwork and Quilting for Get Organized, a segment where we give storage tips for your space. We talk a lot in this segment about decluttering and organization solutions. However, we are also realists and know that as quilters, we can accumulate a lot of stuff. There are always new and beautiful fabric collections being released, patterns that we just have to make and new notions to try. I'm sure a lot of listeners are nodding while hearing this. Uh, sometimes we just need solutions to help us hide our messes. We don't always have the time or even the desire to, you know, perfectly fold each piece of fabric and display it on pretty book bookcases. Like we're creative, we own a lot of things, and that can equate to a messy environment. <laughs> right. And sometimes we just need to be able to hide our clutter and then give the impression that we deserve, you know, our own organization show on HGTV. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be so great. So my first tip is pretty basic, but it's to utilize your closets and drawers for all of those unsightly objects and tools we accumulate. Now, not everything is worthy of being on display. So I suggest deciding what your problem areas are and then, you know, hiding those items behind closed doors. Now, you don't want to hide things away that you use all of the time because this is just going to make your life harder. So don't stick your acrylic rulers and templates in the back of your closet. Save the hard to reach places for things you don't use often, such as those specialty rulers and maybe machines like your serger or even extra batting. And if you're stashing things in drawers, Save your top drawers for the items that you need to grab the most often so that they're handy. You can even add drawer separators for, or like smaller bins inside your drawers to corral those smaller items and keep things easy to find. And if you don't have a lot of closet space and you have to store items on open shelves or, or under tables, you can sew some pretty curtains to match your decor and then just use tension rods to help disguise those spaces. It's really a great opportunity to add a pop of color to your room, and you can finally use one of those big focal prints that you've been saving because you can't bear to cut it up. <laughs> our coworker Beth just shared a video of her sewing space, which we'll be sure to link in our show notes. And in the video, she shows her cutting table and she stashes some larger unsightly items under the table, but she made curtains to hide the space and it looks so great. Yeah, it really does. I think those curtains can hide a lot of things under furniture if, if you needed that space to, to hide things. Mm -hmm. um, you could also utilize under the bed storage for your lesser used items. So this would be a great place to stash UFOs or quilt tops or large pieces of batting and, you know, those low profile bins with wheels. Yeah, I use several of those and they're great. Yeah. My second tip is to swatch out those clear storage bins and containers for colorful ones that are opaque and you can't see through. This is a great solution for fabric and scraps, which can be hard to keep organized. And it has the added bonus of protecting your fabric from sun, da from sun damage. You could even purchase storage bins in a rainbow of colors and organize your fabric stash by color. I personally think that rainbow storage makes everything better. Yeah, I swear anything can look organized if you arrange it in color order, like your fabric, your quilting books, your thread. <laughs> Just remember that out of sight 
doesn't have to mean out of mind. So make sure you're adding labels to your storage bins so you don't have to open each one when you're searching for something. And you could even create a list um, in an Excel doc or a word or a phone app to remind you where you've stashed these items. Yeah, those are great tips. So Lindsay, I thought it would be fun for each of us to share our skeletons in the closet when it comes to hiding messes. Um, <laughs> I know we're both really organized people, but even the most organized of us still have those secrets. So I can confess mine first. <laughs> um, I'm being very vulnerable right now. <laughs> my hidden mess is my fabric stash, which is all stored in a couple of large plastic storage bins without any rhyme or reason. When I purchase new fabrics, I just toss them into one of these bins close the lid and walk away. What I don't love about this is that I often forget about the fabrics on the very bottom and I make such a mess when I'm rifling through them. A few years ago, I tried to fold my fabrics all the same size and stuck them on my open shelves, but it quickly became so overwhelming and I didn't like all the upkeep. While I miss not being able to see my fabrics on display all at once, I have to admit, it's been really freeing to just hide the mess inside these bins and forget about it. Oh my gosh, that's too funny. <laughs> um, so I, I have a black hole in my room where I hide all of my messes. So it's this large plastic storage tub that I store under my cutting table. And it's where I stash everything I don't know what to do with. <laughs> so it has uh, things like batting scraps, extra cutting mat, all of my non-cotton fabrics, like knits and flannels, because I don't use those very often, like interfacing, quilt labels, and just some other random tools. It, basically, if I don't have a good place for where something should go in my sewing room and I don't think I'll need it often, I just shove it in this bin. And then once a year, I go through it and I remember all of the things that I have shoved in there. And then I just close the lid, lid again <laughs> until I need to open it for something. Um, but since we're on the topic of workspaces, Elizabeth, why don't we jump into What's on Your Workspace, a segment where our staff shares what they're working on now. So right now, I'm currently working on the Nine Patch Square Dance Quilt Along from the April issue of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine. I fell in love with this quilt when it first arrived in our offices and knew right away that I wanted to make this pattern. I chose to make my version just like the original quilt in the magazine, which uses the Happy Days collection by Sherry and Chelsea from Moda Fabrics. What I really love about this quilt is just how easy it comes together. It's pre-cut friendly and uses honey buns or one and a half inch strips, which is perfect for me since cutting is not my favorite step of the quilting process. In all honesty, I have been so excited by this quilt that I've been working ahead of schedule, and I've already begun assembling my blocks. The nine patches are assembled using strip piecing, so I've found that the blocks come together so quickly. The quilt along just kicked off last week, so it's not too late if you want to join in the fun. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash quilt along for all of the details. Thanks so much for sharing, Elizabeth. We'll link to the quilt along that Elizabeth mentioned in the show notes. Week two just started today, so it'll be easy to catch up. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, 
we're answering a listener question and sharing products we love. Welcome back. Now we're doing Ask Us Anything. You may remember a month ago, we celebrated our 500th episode by answering listener-submitted questions. If you missed that episode, check it out. It was such a fun one. We got so many questions in that we couldn't answer them all on the show, so we just decided to kind of sporadically answer them throughout the rest of the season. The one we're tackling today is from Anita Rutledge from Minnesota, and she asks, My collection of thread keeps growing and growing. How long does thread last? I don't want to ruin a project by sewing with thread from years ago. This is a very tricky question, Anita, but we will do our best to answer it. Yes, thread does expire, but there are a lot of different factors at play. So we'll give you the complicated answer first, but then give you an easy test to try at the end. So piecing and quilting thread can last more than 50 years. But if the thread has not been stored correctly, that time length significantly goes down. So thread should be stored out of sunlight because light can fade and weaken the fibers. Um, If it was stored in a humid place, such as maybe a garage or an attic for a period of time, it can get kind of sticky or um, it can actually get too thick from the moisture intake. And similarly, if it was stored in a very dry or cold climate, the fibers can become brittle and break. Generally, if you've bought thread, such as, you know, at a yard sale or thrift store, or even your own thread, if it's covered in dust, it's a good sign that it hasn't been stored properly. That being said, there's a lot of other factors that kind of go into this. So one is the quality of the thread. So, you know, a cheap thread versus a more high quality one. Um, The coating on the thread. A polyester thread won't deteriorate as quickly as a cotton one. Uh, Things like the material of the spool. Plastic spools help threads last longer than wood ones or styrofoam ones. Um, And even the date the thread was originally made. Uh, Older threads just weren't made with the technology that we have now, so they just don't last as long as threads you buy new in the store today. So all of that can affect the lifetime of your thread. Now that I've given you all this background on why some threads last longer than others, here is a quick test you can perform on a spool to see if it's in good shape for your next quilt. So cut a 12-inch piece of thread from your spool, tie a knot in the center of the thread, and then gently pull the thread from both ends. If the thread breaks or it tears in any way, it's too old to use. So we love answering listener questions. So if you have a problem for us to solve, shoot us an email um, at apqpodcast at meredith.com. We will list it in the show notes. We just love hearing from you and just are so curious what's on your mind. So we would love to answer questions on an upcoming show. Now it's time for What We're Loving, a segment where we share products and tools we're loving right now. This first product is a favorite in the office. So it's the uh, AccuQuill to Go English Paper Piecing Cube. So if you do a lot of English paper piecing, 
This is a great investment. So it's it's a die cutting bundle and it has dies that cut both the fabric shapes and the paper templates for four common English paper piecing shapes in a one inch finished size. So there's hexagon, half hexagon, triangle, and diamond in the paper and the uh, fabric dies. So that way you don't have to buy your paper templates separately or cut your own by hand. You can just quickly cut them with the die cut. And the die cut also cuts the hole in the center of the paper template so that you can remove it really easily after you've sewn your EPP block together. And the cube also comes with a six inch cutting mat and a pattern booklet. The price take is over $250, so it's an investment. But if you are an avid EPPer, this may be worth looking into. We use it all the time and it has made EPPing much easier to do all the prep for it. Um, so just a great product to check out. The next product is a visible mending kit from Ren Bird Arts. So visible mending has been really popular recently and it's just a great way to extend the life of your clothing, experiment with different stitching, and just add that creative flourish to your clothes. So this visible mending kit has everything you need to get started. So two different sashiko needles, thread in two colors, a thimble, a beeswax thread conditioner, some water-soluble transfers so that you can mark your designs on the clothing, and an instruction booklet so you can learn everything about it. It's just like the perfect little bundle of tools to start you on your journey to repairing clothing. This next product is for those applicators out there. There are a lot of fusibles on the market and you may have your personal favorite already, but if you're still on the hunt or you want to try something different, we'd like to re uh, recommend Flexifuse. So Flexifuse is a lightweight fusible web that won't gum up your needles. And what we love about it is it's good with both your hand sewing needles or your machine needles. So whether you want to do uh, applique by machine or hand, you can use this fusible. And it's really, really soft. So it has a drapeable finish in your, in your projects. So it's sold either in sheets or rolls so you can choose the best cut for your job. And our last recommendation is a book called 101 Itty Bitty Celebrations by Lisa Bonjean. And the premise of this book is to use your scraps of wool and then some hand stitching to create these tiny, cute two inch squares featuring little motifs for the holidays or seasons. There's sports and pets, just a lot of different things. And it's just the perfect way to create little displays to swap out in your home or even give as gifts to celebrate something. And the book has ideas for how to incorporate these little blocks into other projects. They're so cute. And once you see them, you, you will want to make all 101 of them. So we'll link to all these products in our show notes so that you can check them out and buy them if you're interested. That's all we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening in and we'll chat with you all next week.